When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello there. My name is Miles Jupp, and I'm just interrupting you as you listen to whatever it is that you actually want to listen to to tell you about the second series of Middle Please Umpire. Middle Please Umpire is a podcast that I, Miles Jupp, if you weren't concentrating when I first introduced myself only moments ago, that's not a criticism, your thoughts are your own and you must focus them wheresoever you yourself choose, host with Mark Wood, the 95 mile an hour bowling England playing World Cup winning Northumberland hailing cricket lunatic Mark Wood. It's another series of episodes of the two of us talking about cricket and indeed any other stuff that springs to mind both with each other and also with a succession of frankly illustrious guests. We lift the lid on Mark's life as an international sportsman, basically he spends a lot of time icing himself, and take you on a whistle-stop journey through the windmills of his mind. I, a mere fan, listen agog, giggle excitedly and try and draw comparisons with my own rather more mundane existence. All episodes of Middle Please Umpire are available right now from your favourite podcast providers. Spurs fans around the world, wherever you are, it's Theo Delaney here saying welcome to another Spurs show in association with William Hill, the official betting partner of Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, I've got three great guests with me here to discuss all matters Spurs. Uh, first of all, welcome back, Simon Dent. Hey, everyone. How you doing, Simon? Very well, thank you. Enjoying the international break. Yes. Yes, indeed. And also with us, a returning, another returning guest. The kit man from Saracens, a man who spent almost 30 years in the service of Tottenham Hotspur on the inside, Roy Rayland. How are you, Roy? Very, very well, thank you. Good to meet you all. Great to have you back. And uh, also returning, I'm delighted to say, Mr. Jeff Brazier. Jeff, thank you so much for coming back. How are you? I'm really good. Thanks for having me back. Lovely to see you. So, uh, as you say, Simon, we're in the midst of an international break and uh, we had a slight chat about that before because I, I'm one of those football fans who absolutely dreads and hates an international break normally. But I think we both agreed that it's been such a roller coaster ride, so intensely stressful being a Tottenham fan these last few months. We're actually quite grateful for a bit of respite. And uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's like it's almost like take a deep breath and pause. Uh, and that's what we're doing. Um, because there's been so much drama, hasn't there? I mean, we'll talk about we'll talk about England a little bit because we'll talk about Harry Kane. But you know, not to stress you all back out again. But um, 
obviously the last game we played before the break was at the Aston Villa game, which we got a, we we somehow got a win from. But before that, we were on that terrible, terrible uh, two game run. It was only two games, but it felt like a lifetime where we won. We, we lost two pivotal games in our season, and we started to wonder what's going to happen uh, to Jose and what and where what is the way forward. And and the thing that it left me thinking. As we come out of this international break, the big thing that I felt, and I don't know what you guys think, is where does Jose go next in terms of team selection? And the reason I asked that is because he seemed to throw, uh, throw a lot of people out under the bus for that last game and picked a very unlikely team, particularly in defence. And, and it worked in as much as we got a result. Simon, how do you see him continuing from here? Do you think he's going to continue to pick a kind of callow defence, for example? Yeah, I mean, just quickly on the international break point, I think for the sake of sort of friendships amongst other Spurs fans, I think it's quite crucial as well. I don't think in my whole time as being a Spurs fan, I've I've fought, been close to falling out with as many people over WhatsApp. Um, so I've been quite glad for the break. Um, but yeah, with regards to, to the selection, I, I think I would like him to pick the same team that, that played against Villa. I think that the, there's... Villa are definitely a better team than Newcastle. So I see absolutely no reason why he wouldn't change it. Obviously, I guess Sun will be coming back in or Sun will certainly be available for selection. But um, yeah, I see no reason to change that. I thought that was a very good performance and a very professional performance coming off the back of two, as you said, shocking defeats. He seemed to, before that game, he didn't show any particular um, inclination to pick, particularly Rodon, uh, and Tanganga for a while, if at all, you know, in, in, in Premier League games. We've got Newcastle next. We'll preview that preview that properly at the end of the show. But uh, it's another sort of soft fixture, a bit like, I mean, it's softer actually on paper than the Villa game, certainly. So you would think they'd, you know, you wouldn't be particularly nervous. But Jeff, does it worry you playing that, that sort of inexperience alongside Sanchez when we play bigger teams? And we've got Manchester United coming up, for example. No, what worries me is that he's obviously spotted a reason to have to drop the more senior players. That's that's what worries me more than playing the youngsters. He obviously feels that these lads are going to come in and do a better job, or at least the job that he's asking of them, uh, more so than others. And that that is, you know, for us to have some sort of division within the um, the dressing room sounds really familiar, doesn't it? See, it's what sort of finished Pochettino off. Um, and, and here we are again, where not everybody's on the same sort of uh, song sheet, even though we are effectively, you know, in a really good position to to reach the top four and to win a trophy this year. Um, so for there to be differences, that's my concern. Yeah, Roy, you spent a long time in the dressing room at, at White Hart Lane under many different managers. So I'm, I'm absolutely no doubt you'll have been there at various points where the manager's fallen out with a lot of the players. How bad is it, the atmosphere, when that sort of thing happens? I don't so much think it's a fallout. It, I think what it is, is they get in a rut and sometimes the younger players come in and sometimes it's, it's just enthusiasm that, that, that pulls them through. Whereas you get established players that, that, that maybe are afraid to make a mistake because things have gone wrong. Maybe they're, they're, they'll have the extra touch that that messes things up. But then the young boys go in and they're probably absolutely delighted to get their chance. And they've got no fear factor because that's what their their goal is. So therefore, when they go in, they do perform. Now, whether they perform for one game, two games, three games, and then he changes it is irrelevant. The fact is they went in and got a result against Villa and 
should they get another chance? Yeah, why not? Do you remember any particular times in, in your stint where where that, that might be similar to this? Um, it's happened with every manager, every single manager. Right. It, it, because it doesn't matter whether it's Spurs, Arsenal, Liverpool, Man United, they all go through a, a, a spell where if, if, if one player or two players are having a bad time, you can pull each other through. When you get four or five, then you get a little bit of conflict. Players get dropped. Obviously, they don't want to get dropped because they want to prove their point. So it's pretty much, I've seen it with every managerial position that I've worked under. And fortunately, they pull themselves through sometimes. Um, other times, is that's when the manager goes, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I suppose the big burning question, and uh, Simon, you said you've been falling out with people on WhatsApp. The, you know, the big, it, what it comes down to is who goes... It, 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 if Jose continues on this trajectory, some of these players are finished at Spurs, surely. On the other hand, if he continues on this trajectory in terms of uh, results and, and upheaval, maybe he's finished at Spurs before they are. What, what do you think? What's your hunch telling you, Simon? It's a roller coaster, isn't it? I mean, to be honest, I am, we're top of the Premier League form guide at the moment, aren't we? Which is the most confusing statistic. Yeah. Yeah. So when you look at that, <laughs> I was questioning what trajectory you're saying Mourinho's on because according to that, we're on the really on the way up. Um, so that's confusing in itself. Um, look, I think the, the the Zagreb result was almost a, one in a generation. I think you know Pochettino had that one against Colchester. I just think that was a freak result. And yes, we were all angry and people were calling Mourinho's head afterwards and. I actually, for the first time, started thinking it might be time for him to go. But, you know, now we've all decompressed a bit. The reality is, as Jeff said, we are gunning for fourth. We've got a brilliant squad. We're we're short a couple of defenders. But, you know, let's remember, this man has only had really one transfer window. And the, the, the players we've brought in so far, bar a few sort of suspicions around Doherty, I think have been brilliant. And so... It's very confusing for Spurs fans at the moment because, yeah, it, we've convinced ourselves that we're in crisis. But actually, statistically, and if you look holistically at the last sort of 10 years, I don't think we are. But that'll get me in trouble with a lot of my friends. <laughs> I mean, you're right. And actually, if you look, I think I might have said this before on the show, but every one of the big six has had serious what they what their fans would regard as serious serious crises this season at least once i mean you look at man united losing 6-1 at home to spurs or when they lost you know who did they lose they lost another like to burnley at home i think you look at city being beaten by spurs and languishing in the bottom half of the table you look at i mean liverpool you don't don't even get started on liverpool i mean an absolutely genuinely catastrophic season Arsenal can't get out of mid-table every time you think they're going to do something. They shoot themselves in the foot constantly, look very ordinary. Chelsea sacked a legend, you know. So that, so that, so actually, also, that's another way of getting a bit of perspective. I suppose the only trouble is, though, that you suspect, because of Jose's recent past, that there's a certain amount of poison from Jose. I, I mean, I don't know, maybe that's just me, but Jeff, I, I don't, there's something about Jose. He, unlike any of the managers I've just mentioned or any other clubs have just mentioned, Jose will always come out and always blame the players and dig them out. And uh, for me, that feels like, that doesn't feel good. What do you think, Jeff? He doesn't go quietly, does he? That's for sure. Uh, we knew that when we when we hired him, I guess. Um, but I, I don't personally get involved with a rashness. I think that 
there's thing you know football or life generally last 12 months has been incredibly difficult for everybody uh, we're all obsessed with our club but I think that sort of heightens when we can't get there and we're desperate to be there and watch the game and support the boys and we know that the crowd are the most important element of that football match and we know it gives it another dimension <clears throat> so the fact that that's been lost I'd say this is a really unique season we've seen some pretty strange patterns with it and actually, we probably shouldn't. If something's borderline, which I believe personally, if you sort of like took everyone's opinions on Jose, we'd all probably sort of meet somewhere in the middle of, of the yeses and nos. And as a result, we probably shouldn't be deciding anything too rash unless we lose maybe every game uh, in the rest of the season. But if we lose the, the cup final, which to be fair, we plan Man City. And if we, uh, if we don't quite reach fourth, because Actually, there's a very good Chelsea team that currently occupy it. And there's a couple of other clubs around us, like Everton have got a game in hand. Their running's pretty kind, to be honest. No no worse than ours. Um, I just think that at the minute, we probably have to accept whatever we're going to get this year. And let's see what he what he's, what he's he brings to the table next season when we're all back in the in the stadium. Immediately prior to that Arsenal game, of course, we were looking great. We we're scoring regularly, scoring freely. And all of a sudden, one of the fabulous things that we were all so excited about was that Gareth Bale had come alive and was doing fantastic things and suddenly that dream front line like the kind of fantasy football front line of Kane, Son and Bale was a thing. Now three games later Bale's back seems to be back frozen out again. He was asked of course uh, when he was uh, with the Wales squad whether he what he expected to do next season and he said he expected to go back to Real Madrid. I think he's just saying that for, for reasons to do with business and money. I mean, that's what you say, don't you? Don't give Real Madrid a reason to, um, you don't give him an inch, basically, on the contract. But can you see him making, uh, coming? do you think this is the beginning of the end for Bale at Tot- Tottenham 2.0? Or will Jose bring him back in, do you think, Jeff? I, don't, I think Jose's just trying to sort of have some boundaries with the players. And that's that's clear. He's trying to show us, the fans as well, that he's not messing around when it comes to... I, I feel like he's quite inflexible, actually. You know, a lot of managers would base their style on what is available to him in a squad. Um, I think everybody has to adapt themselves to him. And, and again, these players that are getting dropped have obviously not carried out certain details that he's, he's demanding of them. Um, and Baum must have done it again. I think that's why he weren't getting started initially. I think fitness was an aspect as well. But then he obviously did conform and it was all going very well. And now for whatever reason, maybe, I, I can't tell you what it's to do with. Um, I haven't really analysed Baum's performances in, in great depth other than, you're right, it looked like all of a sudden we had the dream front three that, you know, to everybody's envy. But yeah, I, I don't know why, why Baum's on the bench again. I saw a really funny tweet earlier, and I, I apologise because I can't remember who, who did it, but it was basically words to the effect of, you've got to feel so sorry for Jose Mourinho. Every every club he goes to, he seems to end up with players who don't want to do what he tells them to do. It must be awful for him. <laughs> and you just do think. I mean, again, Roy, you've worked with so many managers. You just think the first requirement of a manager surely is to get them doing what you require them to do. And if they don't, to sort that out behind the scenes so it doesn't all publicly fall apart. I mean... The, the thing is, right, we've all been saying, you know, the front three of, of Son, Kane and Bale is everybody's dream. Yeah. But if you look at Harry, if he's having a quiet game... He still chases about. He'll still drop back into midfield. He'll still try and make things happen. If Son's having a bad game, 
he'll still drop back, he'll tackle back, he'll run back to his own 18-yard box. Not Gareth. Now, maybe, just maybe, that could be one of the reasons. The fact that his work rate going forward is good. His work rate going back is non-existent. So if that happens, you, you, you've obviously got a player out of the game. Now, we, we don't know how Jose talks to him. We don't know what their relationship is. But m- maybe it could just be like a, a lack of effort, a lack of enthusiasm. Who knows? But then on his, in his defence, when he's on song and he does a little trick or he'll, he'll bend one in with the outside of his foot or he'll curl one in the corner, mm. he's a world beater. Yeah. He's forgiven. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, exactly right. There's an old, there's one of the old great cliches of football is that there are players that fans, there's, there's certain players aren't there over the years that you look at and you think, what is it? That, why does the manager keep playing? There are certain players that really please managers because of their work rate and their, their willingness to do precisely as instructed. But from a fan's point of view, they look very ordinary. And then there's the opposite type of player like Gareth Bale, where you just think, how can you not pick Bale? He, he could just pop, pop one in for 30 yards, just steal a yard and pop it in or beat three men and, and put it on someone's head and we'll score. But thinking about that first half, of course, I mean, this is, we've, we've all been over this, but thinking about that first half against Arsenal where they were running rampant down the left and Bale was the, uh, was the other wide player along with Doherty. I mean, I thought Doherty played poorly and that seems to be a recurring theme as we've already hinted at. But he wasn't getting any help, was he? Whereas on the other side, Son will help out his fullback. And of course, of all managers, I mean, any manager that would drive him mad, but I think almost with uh, Mourinho, he's almost more inclined than others to find that intolerable. Do you think that's, do you think that's what's done for him, Simon, at the moment, at least? It's tricky, isn't it? Because I think as well, you look at the other players like Mora and even Lamella. I mean, obviously Lamella... Um, the second part of the Arsenal game, but I'm talking about the first part of the Arsenal game, and actually the three or four games before that, I thought Miller had been brilliant, and and Mora make a very good case to be our player of the season. And I think when you've got two players like that that are very similar to Bale, and yes, one of them tracks back wholeheartedly, the other slides around the pitch, and you you, you cringe every time he does it, but they work hard. I think. For Gareth Bale, I don't expect him to, to to start the weekend and therefore the rift will probably grow a little bit more and we'll probably see more uh, work 110%, probably set up a few and maybe score and, and there be it. And so if you're Mora, what more can he do? So it, it's really hard, isn't it? Because Bale's the bigger name and, and you know, we, we all know in 2019, Mora was on the receiving end of, you know, scoring a hat-trick in the semi-final and then missing out in the final. So it's... It is tough. And I think, listen, if there's no alternatives to Gareth Bale, I think, yes, he would have to be picked. But I think we've got a very good alternative in Mora. Is there anyone that would pick um, Bale over Mora? I would, actually. Would you? you would. Yeah. You, you, you could this game, the next one coming up. But would you pick him, would you pick him over Mora against a Man United or someone where you know you're going to have to work your socks off to get anything out of the game? Yeah, but I mean, there's two ways of looking at that. I, I mean, yeah, okay, you've got to work and you've got to be organised, you've got to keep your shape and all that. But but that's what Jose's all about. And what we've seen this season repeatedly is when he's really just put all his eggs in that basket. We've played big teams, certainly until since the early days when we got a couple of really good results, obviously. But since then, he's tried to, he even did it against Arsenal, which was far too respectful of Arsenal. Not even, they're not even a big team, really, are they? I mean, they're not even, they've never got out of mid-table this year. I mean, and he's 
set them out to try and work hard and keep it tight and sit deep and do the low block and whatever you want to call it. And it's never worked. So I think for me, I, I, I think thinking about the cup final, for example, which we haven't got, you know, but by any objective assessment, we've got very little chance just because we're playing probably the best team in Europe or one of the two or three best teams in Europe. And, our, you know, we're just not on that level. So you've got to you've got two choices. You either do what he probably will do, which is set a team out to stodge the whole game up, try and maybe get it to penalties or grab a goal on the on the break. Or you've got to go and roll the dice and say, well, who could actually though even though they'll be better than us, they'll have much more possession. But who could actually just, you know, turn the game just by doing something magical? That, that, that's the other way of doing it, isn't it? And I think for me. Bale's more, much more likely to do that than Mora or indeed anyone else other than Kane. I mean, but for ba- with Bale and Son and Kane on the pitch, I'd feel personally, I would feel we'd have a better chance. But you know, they, you pay your money, you take your choice. There's two very distinct ways of doing it. I know what Jose's way is. But this is the whole thing about Jose's way, isn't it? Is that you have to have complete buy-in from everybody on the pitch. And if you don't, then it doesn't really work. And that's why people get dropped left, right and centre. He needs complete buy-in. It's slightly negative. It's not particularly interesting to watch. Would he get away with it if we were in the actual stadiums? Possibly not, to be honest. But, you know, for him, he's our manager at the minute. And for us to be successful under him, I guess that, you know, we would be better with a Mora instead of a Bow on the pitch at the moment. It does make me laugh that, of course, yeah, you're exactly right. You've got, this is the only way it works. You all do what I say. Then he looks at the game. We lose. And he t- identifies some players that didn't do what he says. He goes mad after he said, they didn't do what I said. He drops it. But now he's literally running out of players. Because once you've picked Rodon and Tanganga, who I think are really good players, of course, but they lack experience. Normally he likes experience, especially in those positions. What's he going to do when they stop saying, <laughs> doing, doing what he tells them? That's what I mean. I don't know. Younger players are more compliant, aren't they? You know, younger younger pros coming in are always going to do exactly what the manager asks them because they want to obviously get a run of games. That's true. But as as Roy says, as they come in, they've got much more to prove and they've got much more to lose. And as once you're in, you've got to try and stay in. And the last the last thing you want to do is upset the manager. You want to keep getting picked. That's true. So let's hope that their lack of experience doesn't let them down and they don't have a cup. Because a, a young defender like Rodon or Tanganga, I mean, I haven't seen Tanganga have a bad game the whole time he's been. I really haven't. I mean, he's a, he's a, I'm surprised he hasn't played more often. Rodon looks useful. But the trouble with those young players is it's inevitable that, that they might have one of those nightmare games. You know, they might, get, they might do what Sanchez does. Guaranteed once a game, give the ball away under no pressure in the final third to the opposition. I haven't seen Rodon and Tanganga being inclined to do that. But they do that and they lose a couple of goals against Man United or something. And the confidence is shattered. And then you wonder where Mourinho goes. Maybe just turns the old mirror go round again and gets Toby off and Dyer. I mean, Dyer and Toby looked like the team, didn't they, uh, uh, earlier in the season? It's, I don't know if he'll ever settle on a team. That's the trouble with Jose because he's so furious all the time. You just wonder, does he have... You look back at his greatest team in English football and he had Terry and Carvalho at the back there. And you just think, you really think now, that's what he judges everything by. And you think how grimly effective they were. Nasty, weren't they? And I don't know... Simon, do you expect him to be here at the beginning of next season? Uh, I do, yeah. I think um, I think we'll probably finish fifth. I've got a feeling we'll win the League Cup. Now a lot of people think I'm bonkers, but I just got I've just got a feeling City have got a lot going on. They're they're That's gonna be true. I think they even got their well, they'll have a semi final, I think, that week, won't they? Yeah, that's right. 
Um, so, uh, yeah, I fancy us. Same as when we last won it in 2008. I don't think we were favourites going in no. and, and turned up. So, yeah, and then if we, we assess it at the end of the season, I think probably the uh, Levy probably said to him that he gets in the Champions League, but I think finishing fifth with a cup, I would have taken that to start of the season. Obviously, it's been there's been a few up and downs, but you know it then gives us a full pre-season. There will be players that we have to move on, but I still think there's you know we sort the defence out going into next season. I, I, I absolutely think he's the man for the job. When you say sort the defence out, do you mean buy a couple of players? I think we probably need to buy a couple of centre backs um, and move a few players on. There's a few players that have been in the squad for quite a while that are definitely makeshift and. Yeah, but it, as we know, it's um, there's a few other sort of priorities around the club this summer, keeping players, and that that may be the, the priority. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's take a quick break, and uh, then we'll come back and discuss upcoming fixtures. Okay, before we move on. I just wanted to remind you to uh, go to williamhill.com if you haven't already downloaded the app, if you want to get some interesting prices on the upcoming uh, events. For example, for a top four finish, Spurs are three to one to finish fourth and Chelsea to finish fifth. Harry Kane, by the way, is six to four favourite to top the Premier League scorers list. He's joint top at the moment. So six to four looks like a decent price to me. And to become all-time top England scorer, you probably have to wait for the payout here for a little while at least, but that's, he's two to one to do that. England to win the Euros, currently five to one. And uh, the Newcastle game, which we'll discuss in a minute, we're eight to 13 to win it. Kane is 12 to five to score the first goal and to win by two or more goals, Tottenham are 17 to 10. You get all that at williamhill.com or as I say, you can download the app from our friends there. Uh, for premium content, by the way, from the Spurs show, including a daily news show, ex-players interviews and original documentary series on Spurs, go to patreon.com forward slash Spurs show. It costs from around 50 pence a week. And next week, joining uh, Mike Lee will be Jar Wobble and Phil Cornwell. What a lineup! Bloody hell! I'll tell you what, Phil Cornwell, what a legend. Hopefully he'll do his <coughs> Martin Joll impression. Uh, Roy will be able to tell us whether that's any good or not. Better than most. <laughs> okay, before we move on to the Newcastle game, I want to just want to talk a little bit about not so much England, but Harry Kane. Harry Kane, as those odds just reflect, he's on, he, he is a phenomenon. No, no Tottenham fan needs telling that. We all are in love with Harry Kane, slowly but surely. For me, anyway, he's he's become now. Whatever happens now, he is now one of the all-time greats. He is an, he's that good, and he looks like he's going to cement that status. Why, Roy, why does he get so much stick when he plays for England from fans of other clubs up and down the country? Really vitriolic stick. Why, what do you put it down to? I think you just answered that. The fact that he's so good. And they would want him in their team. I think, you know, he, like you say, he's a phenomenon. You, if you look at him, he's built everything about him. He's, he's quicker than you think. He's stronger than you think. He's finishing. A, he, his ability to finish is incredible in all, in all situations. And I just think it could be a jealousy thing, the fact that they'd like him in his team. Why they don't get behind him for the England side, I don't know, because 
he puts just as much effort and plays just as just as well for England as he does for Spurs. Jeff, you've got a gargantuan Twitter following, so you'll be uh, familiar with the ups and downs and the vagaries of Twitter. Do you think? Do you think it's down to just jealousy? Yeah, for some reason, and I've never really worked this out because I love the club, but nobody else seems to like Tottenham. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I'm not, you know, if I, I could speak to my family or all West Ham and say, like, do you ever feel like other clubs really hate you? And, you know, they'd probably say, no, not really. Maybe maybe <laughs> Spurs and stuff. For whatever reason, and I don't know whether I have, any of you have got any sort of ideas as to why that is, but we are hated. And he is our best player. So I think it kind of comes hand in hand with that as well. They won't hate him when he scores the winner in the cup final, though, obviously. Yeah. Well, they won't for about for a day or so, maybe. Yeah, for England, obviously. I'm not talking about... Of course, of course, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, it's funny you say that about... Even in London, just London, if you ask a Chelsea fan, an Arsenal fan and a West Ham fan, which are the next three biggest clubs after Tottenham is the biggest. If you ask them, who do you most want to beat? Who do you most want to beat at the beginning of the season? Without hesitation, they all say Tottenham. No question, no hesitation. Simon, you've been to you've followed Tottenham home and away for years. You've been exposed to some of this vitriol and hatred. What do you put it down to? I don't know. To be honest, I've not actually noticed it out of London too much. Yeah. Um, yeah Tottenham have got a lot of fans all over the country. And I think just because of that as well, we we tend to have quite a lot of friendships with other clubs around the country and in Scotland. I I I've, I've personally I've not noticed it. I mean, obviously in London, as you said, we are the team. And I think that that just dates back to the history we've got and you know undoubtedly having the 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 best history from all the clubs in London it's undoubtedly that um obviously not so much the recent history um but yeah it's it's, it's a tricky one isn't it I haven't got the answer to be honest listen lads we wouldn't want to be popular would we well exactly you don't want to be a popular club with all the other clubs because it means you're freely giving away the three points yeah, I mean, I interview, you know, for my other podcasts, I often interview fans of like Fulham and Crystal Palace. They get really upset because people always, I try not to say it because when people say, oh, it's a lovely club, for, oh, I love going to Palace. It's a really, you're never going to get in any trouble at Palace. And they go, yes, you are. You are. We are. We're not, we're not nice. We're horrible. Fulham's the worst for that. <laughs> yeah. Fulham, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's second team in London. But I know I think it's a badge of honour. If, you, if you're the team in London, all the other London teams want to beat, that is a badge of honour. You're right, Jeff. I, I'd go along with that. Now, the other thing, the other problem with Kane is he gets all this stick on social media. The other thing, which is just incessant, I mean, Danny Kelly, who's been on this show, he's brilliant on TalkSport. He tweeted the other day, I've just watched the Sky Sports Morning Show and they went a full four minutes before asking whether Kane had to leave Tottenham to win trophies. I mean, it is... <laughs> I hesitate to ask that makes me hesitate to ask the question. But I'm I've I've heard people recently again on reasonably well placed sources saying that they, Kane has no intention of leaving Tottenham at all. He's not even considering it. I mean, do you think does anyone worry about that? Would you worry about that, Roy? It wouldn't worry me. Um, I suppose there's got to be a slight concern because of I mean he's 28, um, he's in prime, but then you know he 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 really is what you, when you talk about someone being Tottenham through and through, that is Harry Kane. Yes, he, you know, he, he'll probably, please God, he, he, he'll, he'll break Jimmy Greaves' record. What an achievement that would be. Um, and maybe, just maybe, he'd be happy to, to play for the national team and spend the rest of his career at Tottenham. And then the other side of it as well, if, if he was to go, what kind of fee 
would the club require? It would be phenomenal. Phenomenal. And w- would anybody pay that kind of money for someone 28 years of age? Yeah, I mean, there's, a, there's, a sh- there's only a list of two or three clubs that would even... I mean, I, mean, I, I would have thought, you know, PSG possibly, especially with the Pochettino connection, and Manchester City have the money, but, but they're all going to try and get Haaland first, aren't they? Because he's he's so much younger, um, and they'd probably get him for similar money. But after that, I guess Kane... I mean, Mbappe probably wouldn't be going anywhere because no one's going to pay him any more than PSG. So once you've got those two younger prospects out of the way, then the best two strikers in the world are probably Lewandowski and uh, Kane, aren't they? And Lewandowski's not going anywhere, wouldn't have thought. I mean, I don't know. Do you think there's any danger of it, Simon? I think there's a small danger happening, but for the reasons you just outlined, I think this summer's going to be very difficult. I think, you know, also there's constant talk about Harry Kane winning things. What what happens if he wins things for England? Does that satisfy that hunger? I don't know if England win the Euros and then the World Cup the following year. I, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, what I find I found a little bit unnerving was the announcement of Aguero yesterday. Um, that just suddenly made me realise, actually, that there is an opening at that club. But, you know, you leave a club, everyone's talking about he loves the club, which he clearly does, his family do. You leave a club to win things. So then what happens? You move somewhere and you win three trophies in that season. Is that itch then scratched? Do you then want to go back to Tottenham? I, mean, I, I don't really... I think there's more to it than winning things. So I think if you're in a team that plays the football you want to be, you know, playing and you are knocking on the door, I think that satisfies the hunger. But I don't, I don't know the guy, so it's difficult to say. Jeff, in all honesty, if you were Harry Kane, what would you do? I might have left a few seasons ago, personally, but there are different approaches. And um, his approach, or what we'd like to hope his approach is in terms of loyalty, being one club, maybe prioritising being the all-time Premier League um, top goal scorer and holding that record. If, if that's what he's, the sights that he set sort of a long time ago and he feels that staying at one club and hitting 20 to 30 goals consistently every season is going to get him there, which it will. Then moving abroad to Real Madrid um, or Bayern or, or wherever wouldn't really do it because he's already so far and maybe maybe that wouldn't be the best course of action for him. But it just it, it doesn't just defy, I think, what a, peop- a lot of people... Um, um, the way that people operate in football, um, as far as sort of you know transfers and spend five minutes at a club, decide you want to go. You know, obviously he's the complete sort of opposite to that. But it's also society where everything in a minute is like we want things in an instant. Everything's like you know how quickly can we get it? Kids these days, the first thing we always accuse them of is like wanting things too quick and not earning the right. Um, so like he's a bit of an anomaly in, in football. Generally, um, there's there's not many football players that would sort of dedicate themselves to the club. Don't get me wrong, he's not doing it for Tottenham. He's doing it because they, I've, I've always just assumed that he must want that Premier League goal-scoring record. And that as a result, he knows he's going to hit it if he's loyal when he stays at Tottenham. Just a little aside. You said all your family are West Ham. I've got two West Ham supporting brothers. How come you're Tottenham and they're all West Ham? Uh, uh, because, because of Glenn Hoddle. Um, it, it was just, uh, I remember him scoring a goal against Oxford where he, he was on the oh, break. Yeah. You've got two centre-halves who are stationary on the halfway line. He's knocks it through and collected the other side and then just sort of dropped a shoulder with a keeper and um, and slotted it away. And I, I guess you, you see that and you, and you just think, I've got to support this club because of that player. Yeah. You must have been very small then. Yeah, I was, I was six or seven. But yeah. um, I also think that, possibly answers why everyone hates us as well because 
we've predominantly been known as a as a flair club. And that's something so envy, isn't it? Where you've got players that excite you. And, you know, we've had so many players that other clubs and other supporters would have looked at and be like, I wish they played for my team. Yeah, yeah. As I can imagine, that probably draws a lot of envy. Our, our trophy cabinet of late, obviously, is not what they're jealous of. But there's that kind of, you know, it, you know, we know things get passed on from generation to generation. Tottenham are that club that will produce a player that will embarrass you at times. Yeah. Well... Uh, we've got Newcastle, as I said, after the end of this break. Well, the first thing we've got to hope for is that the players come back fit. We haven't, I haven't heard any alarming tales of injury yet, but like almost the entire squad is uh, playing international football to one, uh, one level or another. And Kane's got a big game. As we record this on Tuesday, England are due to play Poland tomorrow night, which I mean, what will be a much more competitive game than the two they've played so far. And obviously, for that reason, you'd expect Kane definitely to start. And and Kane, you know, I hate to put it into these terms, he's almost due an injury because he normally gets two injuries a season that keep him out. He's had one which didn't keep him out for very long. And you do what, what but anyway, let's not dwell on that. Let's not dwell on that. We've got Newcastle. Does anyone see us struggling against Newcastle? Roy, can we? Do you think we'll go up there and just put it put it to bed? I do. I, I think I'm, I'm very, very confident. I do. Um, for for a few reasons, really. One, I think there's a few players there that want to want to prove someone wrong. Um, and also, it, it, it's it's whatever sport you're in. When when you're on, if, if you're on a bad run, you know Newcastle having a sorry time at, at, at the moment. You want that extra touch. You want to do this. You want to make sure. You, and and we've got the pace in the game to nick things in the right areas. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really confident. I, I, I fancy it strongly. Good. Simon, same? Yeah, I'm the same. It was the last game I actually watched in a pub last season with a with a friend who supports Newcastle, that away game. And it was, we went into that and we were convincing. It was 3-1 in the end, I think. But we were convincing on the day. I mean, they look very, very poor, don't they? I mean, it, it, it took about... I mean, if you want to put... If there's any... I can't think of a... Form-wise, and short of Sheffield United, who've fallen completely apart and have got a, a you know the management problem and everything, but there's almost no one you'd rather play, is there? What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, I'd, I was. I'm just wary of the fact that you know, albeit they've not won in six, I think they've scored three goals in the last six as well. Um, they're not, you know, they're not going to cause so many trouble uh, problems at the back, but it's the fact that they're in a rele- relegation sc- scrap and. Um, They'll, they'll need to pull something out of the bag for themselves. They're fighting for something. So, <clears throat> you know, sometimes you play mid-table teams and you're sort of guaranteed that if you you score that first, that you're going to sort of uh, kill them off a bit. But um, but when you're fighting for survival, uh, as, as they are, um, you, you're going to really need to go up there and um, and play better than we have lately. And you think he'll pick the same team, possibly with the addition of Son? Well, do we know when he's back fit, by the way? Because I've not kept up with that. I'd love him back in the team. Yeah, he's not definitely fit, but the signs are there's a, there's a chance he'll be fit. So I guess if, if he's fit, then he might start, might he? But um, apart from that, it look, he might start, say, instead of Bergwijn, possibly, I suppose. Bergwijn started, didn't he, in the last game? But apart from that, do you think he'll stick to the same team? For, for me, like we've got, to, we've got to get, I'd say, 18 points minimum from the, from the last nine. So I, I think that that's, that's going to be going some. So... We, we can't afford to lose any at this early stage because we're not just, it's not just about clawing back uh, Chelsea. It's about fighting off Everton who have got that game in hand. <clears throat> Liverpool as well, obviously, we, we, you know, they couldn't have got much worse. The international break's probably been good for them in terms of consolidating and just sort of picking their chins up. 
and getting ready to sort of mount some sort of uh, assault on 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 salvaging some pride. Uh, and then obviously West Ham, not not ruling them out, have been they've had their best season ever. Um, and you know they've not got a particularly difficult running. There's a lot of winnable games for them as well. So uh, we've got nine games that we we need to win seven of them. Um, and that's going to be. You know, yeah. If, you, if you're not beating Newcastle, then uh, then I guess we can probably say goodbye to that. Okay, Simon, do you think he'll pick? Do you think he'll pick largely the same team? I think so, and I, I think it's a, the, the right thing to do. And I think the fans would agree with that. And if you're, say, Harry Winks or Eric Dyer or anyone like that, do you think you're just thinking, right? I've just had it with this. I'm, I'm off. Well, Eric Dyer is getting picked for England, so it doesn't I know. Really... I mean, how bizarre is that? Yeah, but I think I think yeah. Yeah, Harry Winks, I think, might struggle to stay at the club past the summer, which, you know, it's a shame, but sometimes it's it's time to move on. All right, so this is now, I'm now duty-bound to ask you all for actual predictions. Uh, So, you know, this is where you risk the old egg on the face. Let's Let's have a prediction, first of all, from you, Roy, for the game at Newcastle. I'm going to go 3 0. Whoa, I love it. Like that a lot. Uh, Simon? 3-1 3-1, okay, Jeff? Yeah, 2-1 Tottenham Like it, okay Just in the interests of uh, variety I'm going to say 2-0 Tottenham But I think it's going to be a worry It's going to be a worry I think we get the second goal late So it'll be a worry before that But they've got terrible injuries as well, Newcastle They got their, I mean, they had one good player this season Callum Wilson And they lost him to injury And they're that Sam Maximum Who's a bit dangerous He's, he's out as well So I think, I think we're going to be all right, lads uh, That's it Unless anyone wants to plug anything I always like to ask No? Well, in that case it, All that remains for me to do Is to thank you all Jeff, thank you so much for returning Simon, thanks for coming back as well And you, Roy Great to see you guys again I appreciate it and uh, this is Thea Delaney saying, Go are you, Spurs? This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at spurshow.net. Sports Social Podcast Network.